It's the best time of the year. Yeah. My favorite days. Yom Kippur. No, it's not Yom Kippur. It's Rosh Hashanah. Oh, yeah. No, it's March Madness time. Wow! Literally, like, your favorite days of the year. Yeah. So, since it's starting tomorrow, we're recording Wednesday, who are some sleeper picks you got? We need to let people know these beforehand. Who's America napping on? Yeah. Motherfuckers, you better... For me... Motherfuckers. You motherfuckers, yeah. I have a couple of different sleeper definitions. Okay. So, your classic first-round upset. I've got... Let's see what's going on here. I've got Yale over Purdue. That's a big one. That's a 14 over Jaden Ivey's like a top four pick, probably. Yeah. But Purdue always chokes in the tournament. I like Vermont over Arkansas. I also... Oh, no, not... Not in that one, but I like Vermont. I like Indiana over St. Mary's, potentially. I think Virginia Tech, way underrated. Yeah. Well, for sure, they won the ACC championship. Um, I actually have St. Mary's going to the Final Four in, in a couple brackets. I think that's a little absurd, but okay. Uh, Michigan as the 11 seed, I think is a good one. Their coach to likes it. to punch people. He does. South Dakota State up against Providence, big one for me. I like that. You like the Jackrabbits. I like that matchup a lot. And how about some winners? Who do you think could be sleeper winners no, we don't need one seeds you're talking about here yeah so st mary's i think will make a good run i think iowa you have iowa i, I like campus. iowa a lot yep, they've got a top five player yep i like Murray. i like texas tech i actually like texas themselves too and i like houston a lot and then there's of course there's the good old ucla as well they're they're ripe they were ranked number two at the beginning of the year yep i think Personally, whoever wins the second round matchup of St. Mary's UCLA, that's prob that's going to be who the the final four pick is. For who, who comes out of that? You think Baylor's not making it? No, they can suck eggs. What about Kentucky? I don't know about Kentucky either. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, that is a uh, that is our sp- madness talk. That's the Smarfs without Sporty Mix Sports Ball, and that's our talk on. That's our madness talk. Yeah. to that it would really help a lot but writer i hardly know her yeah we only know the devil inside really and i know the look at them go look, look at them, them kick yeah. and that's it yeah. makes you wanna... it's almost better that we don't know anything else about the song <laughs> it's just the writer inside or in excess either <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about in excess where are they from if you had to guess 
Um, Australia? You're correct. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Melbourne. Are they they're, from Melbourne? They're, no, they're from Sydney, oh, but okay. the funny thing is their base member is named Gary Gary Beers. <laughs> what the fuck? Gary spelled two different ways? Gary Gary Beers. That's a terrible name. <laughs> Just a god-awful name. What else about him? I don't know. That's worse names than we come up with in writer's block, honestly. Yeah, Gary Gary Beers, and there's a bunch of Ferrises, and Michael Hutchinson, Kirk Pengilly. They really just, they just have silly names in Australia. <laughs> silly boys with silly names down under. Um, but it's writer's block, and we are presenting some scrippies Woo! for the Jewel of Sudan, your Oof. idea last week. That was a good neck pop. Yeah. Yeah. One time my middle school history teacher told us that if you pop your neck that you could break your neck and die which i don't is that true yeah i mean if you pop your neck in the wrong way or vigorously enough yeah it's just like just like in all those spy movies when they come up and just i don't know if i if i could snap my own neck i think that'd be physically impossible you, if you could snap your own neck, you would have done it already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got some scrippies yep. for the Jewel of Sudan. Your idea? Should I lead us off? You lead us away. Okay. Into I, Sudan. Into I have, war-torn Sudan. I have the Jew of Sudan. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> By us, I wrote. Ooh, just us. us. We wrote this. Me and you. Us. Exterior riverboat evening. The river is gurgling quietly, quietly, ominously, as it snakes through the Congolese jungle. The air is thick and humid, and the setting sun produces an equally thick orange hue across the entire environment. The crew of Lamont, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., Esteban, played by Edgar Ramirez, Joey, played by John Birdthal, and Beche, played by Amanda Nunez, UFC star featherweight champion. They drive a small motorboat down the river, accompanied by two children wielding guns. In fact, they are hostages captured by the child soldiers. As they near the bay where the warlord's camp is situated, more and more children wielding guns emerge from the woods, appearing en masse as the boat approaches. When the boat hits land, the children on the boat remain silent and motionless. Lamont says, I guess this is where we get out. The crew cautiously leaves the boat under the watchful eye of a thousand child soldiers. They follow a trodden path, a trodden path into the jungle, followed by the children as they go, until appearing out of the woods the massive stone temple, maybe a thousand years old. Joey said Intel never said this was out here. Esteban said Intel also never told us we'd face armed combatants, told us how many armed combatants we'd face. Lamont says, well guys, Intel is dead, so no use disrespecting him anymore. Intel was Chris Pratt. Mm. The crew follow a child guide into the temple, shrouded by darkness. A booming laugh is heard once they pass through the doorway. Mbasa ominously says, So these are the marines my toy soldiers have captured. The crew looks around, unable to identify where the booming voice is coming from. Mbasa says again, I am everywhere and I am nowhere. You should consider it a compliment that I've had that I've let you get this far. You are the first Americans to have ever seen Chateau Fetou in the flesh. Lamont, yelling to no one in particular, says, What do you mean you let us get this far? Another booming laugh is heard, and Mbasa Fetu steps down from some shadowed ledge and enters the small shadowed light. He says, normally my jatis shoot anyone they find on sight. You would have a bullet in your heads right now if it wasn't for me. He steps down further, nearly coming face to face with the crew. Joey steps up to him and says, and why are we alive, you piece of shit? 
Bombasa says, You are alive because I want you alive. Joseph Bellarmine, honorable discharge from the Marine Corps in 2018. Mm. Make no mistake, Joey. You are alive because of my, mer- my mercy. Beche spits, she says. We don't want your mercy, warlord. Mbasa says, Warlord, am I? A beat. He's, Lamont says, well, well, yeah, you have an army of child slaves. Mbasa bursts out laughing. He says, Me, an army of slaves? My, my, your intel and propaganda have failed you, Lamont. Lamont says, Do you take us as blind, Mbasa? Do you not think we can see the child army? Who do you think captured us? Mbasa says, You may as well be blind, Captain. These are no slaves. I am no warlord. Are you so foolish as to think that everyone here is not under their free will? The group all looks confused, and Mbasa says, This is an alternative. My, I'm surprised you know so little about my land and my country. What do you think happens to these children if they are not here? Joey said, Well, they would be free. And then this elicits the loudest laugh of all from Mbasa. He says, Did you say free, my trigger-happy friend? Ha! About as free as a man in a coffin. Our government would send these young men off into the diamond mines to die for their precious metal, or they would send them off to die to the Ghanaians. This is the only freedom they can know. Beche says, that doesn't give you the right to rear a child army, asshole. And Basa says, and who are you to tell me about rights? Who are you, an American, to tell me about my land and my people like you know best? Ha! I fear you are all here for the wrong reason. Lamont says, we came to kill you, Fetu. And Basa says, well, it's a mighty fine job you've done too, my brother. No, no, you are all here for a purpose, a godly, holy purpose. A beat passes. And Beche says, so what, you're going to torture us? Believe me, I can withstand anything in this life, bitch. And Mbasa says, you really do not get the point at all. That's all right. I am a master teacher. We will begin our first lesson soon. Dun-dun-dun. Ooh. I kind of like the picture that you painted for Mbasa where he's like, he is a vil- He's an anti-hero. Yeah. Because he, that's, that is going to be where I would take the script next. Because I kind of had a little bit of idea just on the ride over here. So my idea is he's actually not that bad a guy. He's, I mean, he has a child army and everything, but he's like rebelling against a corrupt government in the only way he knows how. And in the end, he recruits these people to come here and kill him specifically for a couple of reasons. One, to make him a martyr for the people. And two, so that they can redistribute the billion dollar bounty back to the people so, mm, that would be, so that's very his, anti-hero yes then. that's very. his lesson that he's trying to teach them okay yeah he's got he's got motives behind it all that aren't just filled with uh hatred yeah. and evil I, I try to give him a little more depth than your typical child warlord <laughs> yes as most child warlords are lacking in depth yeah. i'll also try to do a little apocalypse now thing with him but yeah full metal jacket i had to watch full metal jacket here <laughs> with you you watched it here yeah Okay, are you ready for my Jewel of Sudan? The Jew of Sudan. No, it's not the Jew of Sudan. The Jewel of Sudan by Sir Edgar Ruperton and his squires. (laughs) His multiple squires. (laughs) Yeah, multiple. Um, Interior, Michael Ward's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s basement. He has gathered all of his old Marine buddies together. They believe it is just a catch-up. However, he has bigger plans. He wants to propose to them. (laughs) Not not in marriage. They all sit and talk, waiting for the last of them to show up. Stan McLean, played by John Bernthal, goes, Hey, Mike, where the fuck is Carson? You said he was going to be here, right? And Victor Ferguson, played Edgar Bermier, goes, That man is never on time. you got to tell him to show up at 7.30 so that he's actually here at 8 like the rest of us. Um, Michael goes, Give him time. He will get here. And then I have something big for you all. Stan goes, Classic Mike. Always got big plans for us. Never once can we all just sit around and hang out like old times. Michael goes, I promise you'll want to hear this. A knock at the door. Michael goes, that must be Carson. I'll run and get him. 
and Cora Valdez, played by Amanda Nunez, goes, oh great, the clown is here, and only 45 minutes late. You hear footsteps come barreling down the stairs. All of a sudden, the steps stop. Then, sporadically, Carson Bennett, played by Chris Pratt, jumps down the last stairs and thumps loudly into the basement and goes, What's up, losers? Guess who's here? Who wants a slice of pie? I brought the good stuff with me. And Victor goes, Hey, hey, Carson, what's up, my man? And Cor goes, You're supposed to be here 45 minutes ago. What the hell happened? He's like, Guys, I brought us all some pizza. And then that domino shit, I got us the good stuff. Michael, walking down the stairs shortly after, goes, Look, guys, Carson brought us all pizza. And Stan goes, We know about the fucking pizza. Can we get this thing moving? And Cor goes, I can't even eat pizza. I'm cutting out all the carbs for my next fight. I'd rather him be on time mm. next time. And Carson, slowly walking around the room, goes, I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm always late, but I, I wanted to have a good time with you all tonight. We never catch up like this anymore. So I thought, you know, some food would be good for an event like this. He nears Victor and he goes, besides, I would not want to drop the ball. And then he taps Victor in the balls and the two start to wrestle. Michael goes, guys, guys, you can horse around later. As I've already told the others, I have some big news for you all. Come gather around. And Carson goes, wait, so we aren't just hanging out? And Michael goes, no. Now come sit. Look. Taunting Carson. I've got pizza. The five of them all sit around each other in the basement. Michael wheels out a big whiteboard and begins quickly writing on the board. And then places a picture on the board. As he slaps it onto the board, he goes, This is Mbasa Fetu, notorious Sudanese warlord known for starting an army of children and sex slaves. And Stan goes, I know that guy. I hate that son of a bitch. <laughs> Michael goes, that's the spirit, Stan. Well, this man has been, has been indicted for war crimes and crimes against humanity by the United Nations peacekeepers and the European European Union. We can all agree that the world would be a better place without Mbasa Fetu in it, right? And Cora goes, well, no shit, Sherlock. Anybody could have told you that. And he, well, Michael goes, well, recently, the U.S. government has quietly released a bounty for this man. And Victor goes, well, if they release the bounty quietly, it probably isn't worth it. And Michael goes, let me finish. They released a bounty for $10 billion. Everyone in the room stops and just stares at him. Stan goes, well, what are we waiting for? Let's go kill this son of a bitch. And Michael goes, hold on, there's a catch. They issued a $10 billion to capture him alive so that they can use this to stop the wars in Sudan. The bounty drops to $2 billion if he's dead. So what do you guys think? And the crew looks around and stares at each other. Nice. Then I imagine like a montage of them like Training. discussing. No, like the whole like planning <laughs> and writing on the whiteboard. It, yeah. yeah, that. What in the world is he chewing on? I don't know. Let me see. An eyeball of a toy? Yeah, the other toy is pretty slaughtered over there. <laughs> Good job, Caesar. We love it when you rip up toys. And those are our scrippies. I had a hard time writing a script for this, I thought. Yeah, this was maybe our most challenging to write, perhaps because it's, I don't know. I didn't have a lot of characters that I could really build off of right away yeah. in a short script. And it's hard to do a very like dialogue-heavy action script too, mm -hmm. for an action movie. Without the action scenes, yeah, I wanted to set the heist tone. I think you did a good job. Thanks. Nice. Alrighty. Now it's my idea, and I know I told you, no, it's not, I told you all that it was going to be sleepwalking, but last night, so yesterday I had a crazy migraine, had to leave work an hour early because mm -hmm. I was about to puke, fell asleep on the couch for a while, and then as I went into bed, I couldn't fall asleep, even through the pain and whatnot, at least I wasn't feeling like puking, but even through the pain, I couldn't fall back asleep because I was asleep for like an hour and a half mm -hmm. on the couch, and so um, <clears throat> I was sitting there for, you know, maybe an hour or so, and I had this idea that came into my head, so I had to write it down. And that's what we're going with today. Let's hear it. So the premise is 
a failing stand-up comedian, mm. um, befriends an older end-of-life person while performing at an assisted living facility. Mm. Very good. Very, maybe our heaviest topic to date. Yeah. Dealing with mortality and mm-hmm. old people dying. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I actually have more in this, but I wanted to build on it before revealing some of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, um, that's what we've got. And I had I had envisions in my mind already, um, like a <clears throat> like a schizo would, like a yeah, like a premonition. Yeah. Like I can tell my own death already. <laughs> um, no, of some of, of some characters. So our main like failing person, I for some reason I imagined this in like London, like really? a, a British film. So I wanted British actors. Okay. So our young failing comedian, I had the idea of Andrew Garfield. Hmm. Mm. Is he British? He is. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, he does a really good job of covering his accents yeah. and whatnot. Maybe it was because I watched him in Tick, Tick, Boom, where he kind of had this uh, sporadic kind of like... Yeah, I haven't seen Tick, Tick. ...out on his luck kind of character that's just working in the arts, you know? Um, I like Andrew Garfield. <clears throat> I like Andrew Garfield a lot. So I had that, and then I had this idea of the end-of-life person being end-of-life in an assisted living facility, maybe it's, like, a terminal illness, so they're not, like, super old yet, so it's not, like, a Michael Caine or something like that. Yeah. But it's, like, it's like Emma Thompson. She's, like, mm. 64. She has stage 4 cancer. Yeah, she's got some form of cancer or something. Mm. And the reason why I thought that is that maybe this maybe our stand-up comedian does a lot of trauma jokes because you know he never knew his mom like he grew Mm. up on his own with just his dad or something he never knew his mom so he finds emma thompson as like a mother figure to him along the way that's great what do you think you like that's pretty dope you likey i like me likey (laughs) (laughs) so then are are his like stand-up jokes then about trauma and death and all that yeah like a dark stand-up special yes pretty dark and i think the reason he's at the assisted living facility performing is because he hasn't caught a fan base at all like he's tried all these other places he's been openers for bigger names or stuff like that and you know he's just down just trying to make a a few dollars to like make it by and he's chasing his passion and at the reason he connects with our emma thompson character there is that she is like being somebody that's not like as old as the rest of the people in there and like mm-hmm. kind of going through her own traumas herself is the only one in the crowd to like really appreciate mm. and laugh at his jokes. Sure. And she's not like drooling and demented. No. And so, yeah, he approaches her afterwards and he's like, thank you for like this. And for they kind of, yeah. yeah, they kind of form this connection. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's the movie. <laughs> and that is the movie. No. No, I, yeah, I thought that that was really good. I kind of had like a envision of like, as they're bonding, as they're spending time together, he like takes her out of the assisted living facility, and they do mm. things almost kind of like a like a bucket list kind of thing for her at the end okay, of her life. Sure. And that's great. Share their times together, share their traumas together. Who else is some characters in this? Have you thought about that? I was thinking just off this now, a good idea, maybe an added element of tension in the movie is maybe she has kids that probably don't go see her all as often oh that's so good yeah and yeah so, and she's and she's like where's where's jason he's like oh, jason never comes to see me and so like i got you today oh that's super good and then later on in the movie the the kid jason or whoever you know ends up feeling like a little bit of jealous like why are you hanging out with this woman you're not related to yeah I, what's going on here well i'm getting cut out yeah and so there's tension there's there. tension yeah that's really good Who do you actually. think that should be then um He's got to be around Garfield's age. The cat? No, not Garfield the cat. Andrew Garfield. 
It's got to be around his age. He's got to be British. It could be a male or female. <clears throat> could be, yeah, it could be either. British actors. These are so loud over there today. Who could, maybe a little bit of a stuck-up sort of feel. Mm. A busy, he was busy with work always. Yes, Chiwetelagia for <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins. What about... Eddie Redmayne. I like Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne would be good. Um, he, he seems to overact at times. <clears throat> I mean, he had to for Stephen Hawking. Yeah, and, the and he Danish won the Oscar girl. for that. And the Danish Girl. Yeah, Jude Law's too he, old. I think he regrets doing the Danish Girl now. He says, "Really? Yeah." He says he should he should have let a real transgender woman play the part. I guess that's fair. Yeah, I like Eddie Redmayne. I'm looking through more, and not enough of them it are young enough. Could be like the you just dip into the Harry Potter universe. You could pull Malfoy out. You could. Pull I was. I Hermione saw. T- yeah, out. I saw. I saw any all of them popped up on my <laughs> Rupert Grint. Yeah, all of them. No, because Eddie Redmayne could play somebody that's a little snobby and stuck up in that way. Yeah, yeah, I like Eddie Redmayne. Okay. At, at, there's at least one kid, you know? Another aspect to it, yeah. And Emma Watson. Yeah. What else? Oh, some other characters. I don't know. Those are the only ones that I had in mind. Is there anyone else in Andrew Garfield's narrative plot? Maybe Is... his father that was like kind yeah. of there for him, but not fully. An older... Maybe that's Anthony Hopkins. He's very old. But that that could be Colin Firth. And he's like a free spirit, kind of down on his luck guy too, but he he encourages his son to be a good guy and pursue his passions. Yeah. 80-year-old Sir Anthony Hopkins it is. Well, how old is Andrew Garfield? 30-something. That's a 50-year difference. Yeah. That's yeah. why I said maybe Colin Firth. Colin Firth could do it. But how old is Colin Firth? Caesar. 50s. You and your licking. Late 50s, I'd wager. Colin Firth was born in 60, so he's 62. Mm, that's fine. Yeah. That's the same age as Emma Thompson. That's perfect. Yeah, that's good. Maybe they get together at the end. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't like that. Yeah, Colin Firth, who was like there for him and supported him, but, you know, as a single dad and trying to work, he was never around enough for him. And Andrew Garfield's escape was comedy. Sure. Trauma. Tromedy. Yeah, tromedy. <laughs> Maybe that's what we could call it. No, I already have a... Actually, that's decent, but I do have a working title already. How about some characters in the assisted living facility? Are there a couple zany old guys? Is there maybe a, an orderly? Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> He's in there. <laughs> Michael Caine. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd is going batshit. Yeah, you got just a bunch of the old people. Yeah, he says a joke, and then Christopher Lloyd's like, What? <laughs> Oh, I've actually got an idea. Like one of like the nurses or somebody that works there is like concerned about Andrew Garfield with Emma Thompson's character is like, hmm, this might not be the healthiest relationship. Why are you taking her out of the yeah, place? That's good. Sort uh, of and she can kind of ally with Eddie Redmayne's character then a little bit. Yeah. Maybe Eddie Redmayne tips her off and is like, Hey, keep an eye on this and she's like, Oh shit. Younger British nurse. British nurse. I mean, they don't have to be young, young. They don't even necessarily have to be British. No, but I'm sticking with British. Kate Winslet. It's pretty hot to be a nurse at an assisted living <laughs> facility. Nurses can be hot. What about Lupita Nyong'o? Is she British? Yes. Is she? Uh-huh. She'd be good at it. Uh, Helen Mirren. She's, She's Kenyan-Mexican, not British. No. She has, like, a British accent. She's just from everywhere. <laughs> she is from everywhere. Kira Knightley. Carrie Mulligan. I like Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan would be good. She's pretty cool. Emily Blunt. Rosamund Pike. Oh, no. Rosamund Pike already did that one where she was like, 
A nurse ratchet type. Yeah. Let's do Carrie Mulligan. That'll she, be good acting. From she's her. yeah. She's always got hurt in her eyes too. Yeah. Promising young woman. Oh. I haven't seen that one. You didn't see Promising Young Woman with Bo Burnham? No. Oh, it's so good. I never, I don't think I caught the Bo Burnham hype as much as you and Alex and Marina have. B- Marina doesn't like Bo Burnham. Oh, then just you and Alex. Then. Yeah. Yeah. It's art. They, You guys love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that makes sense. He's like, he takes stand up to the next level. He artifies it. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not him talking to you. It's a show basically that you would yeah, go and exactly. see. Yeah, exactly. It's not. Yeah. What's the deal with airlines? Airline <laughs> boy, are my arms tired? Yeah, not yeah. no no punchlines like that. Um, okay, so we've got some characters. We've got a conflict with the tension. Eddie Redmayne, Carrie Mulligan yeah. being concerned about this whole relationship. So, what's the main conflict of the movie? Then is it a race against time, basically, for her to die? Yep. And and then to have as much fulfilling moments as they can with him trying to find his like maternal figure in his life through her and her trying to you know squeeze every bit of life out Mm. in his remaining time maybe she helps him with stand up from time to like that's one of their bonding moments is like writing stuff together maybe he gets a big gig and one of her last things is she gets to go see him perform yes he gets a plus one and he takes her yeah at the comedy awards that's very well maybe not the comedy awards but yeah some big gig and yeah that's really good she helps him with his he stuff. Sneak, he sneaks her out of the assisted living facility to see. Yeah, she helps him with his comedy. He sneaks her out to help her like fulfill some of her last dreams before she dies. Yeah. What kind of what kind of it's it's going to be cancer now. It's yeah, stage 4. What kind of cancer are we doing? I don't know. Like colon cancer, that's pretty irreparable. Pancreatic? Yeah. Pancreas is real tough. It's hard to detect early. That has the lowest survival rate of like all mm. cancers. I thought colon was pretty low too, but yeah. We could do pancreas. pancreas. That's what... Uh, do women have pancreases? Yes. <laughs> that's what Alex Trebek had. Mm. was pancreatic cancer. Mm. R.I.P. Yes. The goat. The, goat, the yeah. legend. The throat goat. Aaron Rodgers. No, not the throat goat. That's Nancy Reagan. <laughs> okay, so we've got some characters. We've got a storyline. She eventually dies, doesn't she? She has to, I yeah. think. I, I don't think there's a miracle. What is our fallout of her dying? How does he... Maybe eventually he does make it. Oh my God! You're googling the throat goat. Because <laughs> yeah, Nancy Dan- Reagan and Madonna throat goat explained. I'm gonna need to read into this later. Yeah, maybe maybe he does these giant gigs and whatnot, and he actually starts to make it. And his uh... maybe wait. I just had a thought. Give maybe- me it. So you know how there are comedians that do sad or that do like the fucked up comedy. Like mm-hmm. he's probably trying to do at the start. You know, sort yeah. of edgy stuff. Maybe as he goes, he sort of morphs into a different type of comedian, mm-hmm. sort of like the, because I saw Hassan Minaj here, and he's less of like a joke, joke, joke. He's like, I'll tell you a story, well, I'll cry at the end, and then I'll throw a joke or two in there. That's that's the exact direction that I think Aziz went to. Yeah, so then like at the end of this movie, Aziz is always like, fuck, 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 and now yeah. he's like, you know, this is really hard in my life. Yeah, and, exactly, yeah. and then he... he he becomes successful then afterwards is like a sort of sensitive comedian a storyteller almost yeah who has this big compelling story about this woman in his life yes perfect so she she does pass but she's got him to the point where he she, is in she, comedy and she lives on through his comedy. through his comedy yes <laughs> and some of the success like i imagine the final shot already is like 
is like him. He's done a couple stand-up pieces mm-hmm. that have been growing and growing, and finally it's his biggest one yet. Like we've seen his success, and like the final shot is like him on stage, just like with the lights on him, so it's just a silhouette, and you see just the whole crowd, like in a yes. giant and, and auditorium theater. Take it one step further. He sees the whole crowd, then in his mind, the whole crowd vanishes, and only Emma, Emma Thompson, Thompson is in the is sitting. Yes! <laughs> Is sitting in the stands. We've come up with a very good story already. Damn, I'm getting goosebumps. Themes. Live life to the fullest. I had a, a kind of catchy, it could be a tagline too, but like, laughter is the best medicine. Oh, that's good, yeah. Comedy and death. And, yeah. Yeah. Treat it with the grain of salt. What was your first one that you said? Like, live life to the fullest? That was my other idea was, yeah, yeah take every moment, you know. Yeah. The, Maybe like family isn't blood too. Mm. Because the, they, they sort of become family. The best relationships aren't seen on the surface level, things like that. Yeah. 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 I think the, the themes are pretty spelled out on their own for this one. Tagline, laughter is the best medicine, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Which is partly a theme, too. Yeah, it has to be. Um, Wishful wishes. Mm. Ooh, I had an idea. Who was it? I was looking this up earlier. Directors? Yes, for a director. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Sir Edgar Ruperton. It was a, it was a duo. Mm. Two people that work together. Who the fuck? The Coen brothers? Um, no. Starsky and Hutch. I I looked up comedian directors, and I found somebody. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? These are all just actors now. What happened to my list of comedian directors? Because I was thinking, I was like, oh, maybe it could be like dark comedy where it's like the guy who did Little Miss Sunshine or... Jason Reitman for Juno and Up mm-hmm. in the Air. But I, I came across somebody that was, like, really good. It could be, like, Woody Allen, honestly. But that's not who came across Could be mind. Woody Allen. <laughs> it's not who came across. Who the fuck was it? Could be Woody Allen. <laughs> could be, like, Mindy Kaling. Has she directed a film before? Oh, shit. I remember who it is. Did This duo has a lot of laughs. The Daniel Brothers. No, we love them. They've done a ton of comedies, but they always have a darker... Like, they've done a lot of things that are just slapstick, but they've done a lot of things that have a darker side to it. Is it the Farrelly Brothers? No. It's not who you're thinking. They're not usually doing movies. TV. Is it Trey Parker and Matt Stone? No. I'm going to give you one more guess. A, <laughs> a duo that does a lot of TV dark humor, like sad dark humor. Give me a network. They've done so many different blocks and NBC and... Fuck, I don't know. I, I I give up. Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of them. I was actually thinking of Ricky Gervais as one of the characters earlier in the mm. movie. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, they're great. Let's, they're, they're, really they're, good. they're really good. And I believe Ricky Gervais has written and directed a TV series about working in a like an old assisted living oh, facility. Oh, really? I forget what that's called. He's always promoting it on fx or it's called life or something like that that is not how you spell any of that. oh shit actually it might be on netflix it is on netflix yeah i totally forgot that was brand new afterlife afterlife yeah his wife lisa died well maybe that's not what it is no that's what i was thinking okay this one's not where he works in an assisted living facility this is one where he's suicidal and has a dog that's right Oh, it was called, it was someone's name. But yeah, I think we can do Ricky Gervais and Steven. Because yeah, he's, he did Afterlife. He's done like The Office. He's done, um, 
He's done, well, both. He did Bojack Horseman, which is a very dark, about a stand-up comedian. I didn't know actually. he did Bojack. Yeah, he's part of it. He's 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 done uh, a lot for it. He's, he's an actor in it, too. But, like, th- Bojack is a comedian that's turned dark. This this one is is called Derek. Derek. Yep. Yeah, I was just looking up that. That's a assisted living home one. A tender innocent man works at a retirement home. Yeah. Oh, okay. His love for the job and the people he cares for is evident in everything he does. So I think that that even shows that they can be put into the right mindset of this movie. He was a part of Louis, which is a dark yeah. comedy. God, he's so good. Yeah, he is amazing. He I could even was... write the freaking stand up for Andrew Garfield. I know, right? Yeah. He totally could. Okay, so we've got. Great. What about music? Hmm. This one seems pretty... I don't know. What do you think? Is it cinematic or is it indie? I think it's cinematic. Hmm. So swelling, emotional, but also at times heartwarming music. Yeah. So let's get Danny Elfman off the list. Danny Elfman is gone. This is too too heartfelt for Reznor. Mm-hmm. We just throw in, like, Radiohead. (laughs) (laughs) Radiohead could fucking do it. Johnny Greenwood is a freaking amazing film composer in his own right. Their guitar player. For Radiohead? Yeah. Yeah. He does all of Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Why not? Let's do do Radiohead. Radiohead. Johnny Greenwood leading the way. Yeah, with songs by Radiohead. Who's, like, the ugliest guy who's ever lived. Really? Yeah. Well, they all are, but yeah. Oh, your eyes. (laughs) Chill out, dude. There's a picture of him and Bill Hader. Yeah, like him or I was thinking like Radiohead could be good. Like U2 could be pretty decent too. Yeah. U2, Radiohead's got the British thing too. Isn't U2 British? They're Irish. Oh, okay. That's yeah. the troubles, mate. <laughs> Sunday bloody We thought without you. <laughs> <laughs> we thought without you. Um, okay, so Radiohead. that we've, We're sticking British. We've got this. Hmm. Ricky Gervais and Steven Merchant, British. I think they like Radiohead too. I've heard. Probably. Yeah. But yeah, now we got British directors, British music, all British actors. Oh, like crumpets. British setting. We'll do it in like London or some yeah, shit like shit. that. These Americans British assisted living facility. Taking it overseas. Um, what else do we have for wishful wishes? I think that's usually all we do. Yeah. Because we're writing it. Well, Ricky Gervais can help write the stand up. Yeah. I think for my script next week, I might try and do like a stand up. That'd be, that'd be funny. We'll each just write some, some jokes. Some jokes. Like when we had to write our raps. <laughs> that was, that was one of our better and one of our worst moments. <laughs> <laughs> Both really good and really bad was our yeah. uh, uh, under the sea <laughs> mute <laughs> mute bitch mute bitch and I forget my pa- other one uh, yours no those mine, my two, those yeah. were, and mine was part of dat world that's right but yeah. yours is under the sea motherfucker in parentheses <laughs> and title yeah you said you had something in mind I had a title already I already know what it is I don't know what I'm looking up wait was there anything else that I wanted to discuss real quick. Because I put a couple like, extra notes like on Ukraine? it. Like Ukraine? No, he never knew his mother. Trauma joke. She died in a terminal illness. She's the only one to laugh during a set. Laughter's the best medicine. Okay, I got it all. Okay. Um, my my working title, we can toy with it if you want, because I was kind of thinking about this last night as well, but it's called The Last Laugh. Oh, yeah. You did tell me that. Yeah. I think, once again, it kind of fits with, you know, mm. dying and comedy. It's a sad and, title. It is. It's going to be a sad movie. Yeah. Which I don't normally do too well with, but I'll, <laughs> but I'll buckle in and try not to cry. The last laugh is really good. Isn't is that... Was that a show on NBC? Well, now or, let's look that up. I don't want to rip things off. Apparently, Dare... I, I think I'm just thinking of The Last Comic Standing. That That is definitely a show. The Last Laugh. It's a 2009 comedy film written and directed by Greg Pritkin. 
There's also a 2020 film, a 2016 film, a 2019 film, a 1924 film. (laughs) You're not as original as we thought. This one stars Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfuss. Time reunited with his first guy in a comic who quit the show business 50 years ago. Escaped the retirement community and hit the... Oh, no, that sounds kind of like what I... No! (laughs) To do one last comedy tour. Ours is different enough. Ours is definitely different enough, but that has some... Okay, we can't do the last laugh now. That's too similar. The final chuckle. (laughs) The penultimate giggle. (laughs) Yeah, the penultimate giggle. Um, Damn it. I liked the last... I've never even heard of any of those films. A 2019 with Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfuss? Never had heard of that. It seems like we should have. I think it's a Netflix movie. Oh, maybe that's why. Did it make any money at all? (laughs) No. Yeah, there's nothing about it. There's only 15 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. God damn. Um, okay. Um, Who directed this bitch? Greg Pritikin? We could stick... I had this I had this idea and I scrapped it because I thought the last laugh was better. But uh, a working title. It's a one-word title. But sticking with British and it's just called Humor. Mm. H-U-M-O-U-R. Yes. Well, yeah, that's good. I thought the last laugh was better, but we have to scrap. There's too many last laughs, and that one with Chevy Chase is a little too close. That's like how every band has a song called With or Without You, or Without You. Yeah. And also every band has a song called Photograph for some reason. (laughs) Look at this photograph! (laughs) Look at this graph! That's one of my favorite vines. Look at this graph! (laughs) So yeah, humor... H u o h u m o u r. The last laugh is better, but it's way better. Is more unique. And, it is more unique. And yeah, we're not treading on copyright. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we'll go with humor then. I'm down with it. Okay, so we'll recap. We got humor starring Andrew Garfield with himself. Emma Thompson in the herself in the feature roles. Yes, probably an Oscar Beatty role for Garfield and them. Thompson. One yeah, of them could probably if we supporting actress a Carrie Mulligan. Supporting yeah. actor of Eddie Redmayne? These are all, like... They could, yeah. And they're serious enough roles. I mm-hmm. think you could get some get some traction if, the, if it was done well enough. Yeah, so, yeah, because Emma Thompson, like, an end of life, like, you can see, like, some of the physical acting, just beautiful moments from her. Andrew Garfield with the, the trauma and the, the trying to be yeah. funny through it all. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got some Oscar bait here yeah. for humor. Um, other characters... <laughs> I think that was the, the major. Oh, we had a uh, we had a nurse. We had Colin Firth as his father too. That's right. Yeah, and then a handful of zany Christopher Lloyd, Anthony <laughs> Hopkins are hanging out. Those, yeah, just, where's my buddy? <laughs> Where is my applesauce? <laughs> yeah. Um. So we've got Andrew Garfield as a failing stand-up comedian, um, mostly doing trauma jokes. That is ending up doing a gig in an assisted living facility, and there. Um, basically failing this gig yet again, except for one person, Emma Thompson, who laughed and really appreciated his, his style, his, his style, his standup. And so he confronts her afterwards saying, thank you so much. And they actually kind of build a relationship from that. Andrew Garfield, um, finding a maternal figure in her because yes. he never really knew his mother. She was gone from his life. And she's finding like an even better son figure. Yes. Child figure because almost. being 
with terminal illness, as we must say, a stage four pancreatic cancer. Her kids have never really visit her in this place, yet he continues to come back. They have kind of a uh, synergistic relationship where he's helping her get out and fulfill some of maybe her bucket list items yeah. while she's helping him deal with his trauma, write some stand-up, change his and style. Find some meaning in his life. Yes. And as they... We have some conflict, some tension with her son, Eddie Redmayne, a nurse, Carrie Mulligan, thinking that the relationship is unhealthy, trying to stop kind of their mm-hmm. their time together. Mm-hmm. And eventually it's going to end with Andrew Garfield actually becoming big, you know, with the help of Emma Thompson. They've He's grown his comedy, his fan base, and uh, eventually she's get to, she gets to see him yep. she eventually perform. She dies. She eventually she dies, and the ending is him performing at the biggest stage of yet and him realizing that only she is there with him and she lives on through her his comedy hi lou hi louie (laughs) you come and give me hugs right away and i think that is everything oh with director ricky gervais and and steven merch i love that duo music by radiohead yeah and right in who's the drummer the bassist? Johnny Greenwood. Is he the drummer or the bassist? He's the guitar player. The guitar player. With Johnny Greenwood and Radiohead doing some some music. It'll be I even think Tom York has done some too, their lead singer, but I'll check that Bjork. out. Bjork. <laughs> he is Bjork. <laughs> and I think with that, I think we've finished everything. That's it. That's our checklist. No more wishes. Woo! That is humor. Um, we hope you enjoyed. I really like this idea a yeah. lot. A lot. It's a really good and tender idea for coming up with it post migraine. <laughs> yes, post my. I was hurting, and so I wanted somebody else to hurt in this sure, in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um. And so that's it. Next week, I believe we've got Devin on okay. because I work later next week. I'm doing two to ten thirty p.m. Mm. So he's might be able Down to make it like at like eleven or, or so sure. or noon, so he can sleep in a bit. I'm down. And so it's probably his idea. It's probably his idea that we mentioned last week, the wine sommelier one. Yes. If which n- my mom said happened to a friend of hers. Really? Yeah. That, that exact, is a wine sommelier? Yeah, he got COVID and now he can't smell wine, uh, taste them anymore. Yeah. You know all these rich people. No, they're not that rich, but they are super If you're cool. a wine sommelier, you're pretty rich. <laughs> are you? Enough to know that's, that's wines like that prof- well. A profession, though. Yeah, I know. They but don't like, make all that much money. But it's like a like it's a like pretentious. A yeah, yeah, it's yeah, high yeah. class. Um, so if it's not, you're gonna have to come up with an idea for yours. Which Corp- you corporal baby, corporal baby. So either you're gonna get the wine sommelier or corporal baby next week. Yeah. Either way, you're in for something weird. <laughs> and with that, we'll see you next week. Gadoosh! Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let me play us out. <laughs> get it, get it. Look at him go. Look at him kick. Their album's called Kick. Oh. Goodbye, folks. The writer inside. The writer inside. Every single one of the inside. Thank you for tuning in to Writer's Block, our spin-off series of The Good, The Bad, and The Movies. Each Friday, we're going to come up with a new movie idea of our own and create it right here on the spot. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening. Also, if you have any movies you'd like us to review or your own movie ideas for Writer's Block, trademark, please follow and message us on our Facebook and Instagram pages at The Good, The Bad, The Movies. Tune in next week to hear us discuss more films. And remember, if if it's it's good good and it's bad... bad, 
it's probably the movies. <laughs>